Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Scott, one of the pastors here. And this morning we're doing a little bit of a change up, which is nice. Change is always good. And I hope that, yes, as I prayed, wherever you're watching, I hope you're enjoying this beautiful weather. And as spring does slowly take over from winter. But it's good to have you here with us. And uh, so our, the difference this morning is I'm going to get, I get to introduce to you a good friend of myself, but also a former pastor here, a lead pastor, youth pastor, I think also assistant pastor at one point, I'm not sure of all the different places, but we have Art Ray with us. And uh, it's, a, it's a bittersweet time because Art and Cindy are making their new digs and he's bringing a podium. So, you know, it's going to be serious. No, <laughs> just kidding. But Art here served here, I think about 11 years, 12 years, 11 years. So, and it's, uh, and the ministry that you and Cindy gave, just very impactful. And, uh, you know, I could go on about uh, the different thing, how I, my life has been impacted by you, Art, but I would say that the one thing that always stands out for me is how you honor people. And as a result of that honoring, how you are naturally so you are a pastor to leaders and uh and it's because of that honor you have for people but for all people but especially for the for for leadership and for and for pastors right around the globe i guess now for you <laughs> it's beyond canada but uh i just want to thank you i know for april and myself from the bottom of our hearts we are so thankful for you and cindy and for your ministry and uh we just thank you how you how you bless the church like uh, and the church right across Canada. So anyway, welcome. Thank you, Scott. It's good to be here, everybody. And uh, for those who are watching online, I'll do my best to look at the camera here and uh, and get going. Um, thank you, Scott, for those kind words. Um, I tell you, it's tough when you're making a transition and you're moving. It's been very emotional. We've sold our house. We've uh, there's lots of things that have gone on recently, and we are moving out to Calgary, and uh, it's emotional because we've been in Cambridge for 27 years, and we're just we start doing things, and then you just start going, oh, that might be the last time I do that for a while. Oh, that might be the last time I do that for a while. You started making these things. So, anyways, it's just great to be here with you all. Um, a year ago today, Cindy and I. We're in Brazil. We're, we're at the airport in Recife, which is two hours from Jen and Phil Snell and Luke and Faith. And we had just finished a week-long uh, missionary retreat there. Uh, we had left the day before. The first plane ride was canceled, so we took a bus for two and a half hours to the airport to Recife, only to find out that the plane was canceled for their, the next leg, and we had to get a hotel. And you tried to fight with the airlines to get money for a hotel, and that didn't work. Uh, but eventually we made it home, but we walked home, and we made it home, and we walked right into isolation. Same thing that was going on here was going on in Brazil. 14 days of isolation, everyone in their homes, just the pharmacies and the supermarkets open, and you weren't supposed to be on the street. Uh, after 14 days, they continued for again down there. And so we're like, well, what are we supposed to be doing, right? We're supposed to be ministering here, so how does that even happen? And... Um, so I started to call the different pastors. We had been 
called to the southern part of Brazil to take care of pastors, to pastor pastors. And we were trying to get together with them in their cities, and we were trying to do retreats with them and organize all that stuff. When you have five different regions around Brazil, and, you know, from where we were to Rio is, you know, a 12, 14-hour drive, you know, is pretty spread out to do that and to organize these men and women who are pastoring who are bivocational. So how do you do that when they're working six days a week, plus taking care of the church, and then you're trying to take, try to figure out how to minister to them and get together? So I just started calling these pastors up, saying, how you're doing? So one by one, hour, hour and a half later, at the end of it, so would you like to do this again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we marked it down for a month later. And I went through 28 different pastors, and they all wanted to meet again in a month's time. At that same time, I was, we were thinking about the future, and I, there was a gentleman in Cambridge here. His name's uh, Marvin Brubaker. He used to be the president of Heritage Bible College and Seminary. And when we actually bought this property and we're going through this, we actually went to him. Bruce Ellis and I went down and sat down with him to get his wisdom as to how do you do this, how do you transition a church, and all that kind of stuff. Had his name in mind, gave him a phone call, and he's involved with a group called MentorLink. Now, MentorLink is as a ministry of mentoring younger leaders, intentionally doing that. And so I called him up, and he started telling me um, some of the things that they're doing. And in, in a MentorLink, they have five transitional uh, or transformational values. One of them is uh, moving from building your personal success as a pastor to building God's kingdom. Now, I looked at that, and I went, that's interesting, because in Brazil, it happens here, too, in Canada, but it's a little more subtle. But in Brazil, you'll have a church, and you'll have a plaque out front with a picture of the husband and wife in gold and, and all dressed in great suits and stuff, and it's the ministry of pastor so-and-so or the minister of the bishop so-and-so, right? So when I looked at that, I said, yeah, I'm having difficulty trying to help these pastors move from focusing on them doing well to focusing in on the kingdom. The next one was uh, moving from an environment of control, uh, leading a church where you have a whole bunch of rules, you know, set. And so people check them off. Yeah, I did not, I did not, I did not. So I'm a good Christian. And the pastor looks around and says, all my people are going to Bible studies. They're going to prayer meetings. They're, they're praying for people. Doom, doom, doom. Our church is successful, right? This environment of control to an environment of grace, which is a little more messy because you have people who actually start to feel comfortable sharing you're a safe place, so they feel comfortable sharing their stuff with you, and then it gets messy because you, now you got to help them deal with the sin in their life, right? Um, moving from a power-based leadership where the power, the pastor is the one in authority, and he tells you what to do, and you do it, to a servant-based leadership. I remember the first time I was in Brazil uh, talking, first time this ever happened, I was talking to somebody, and they said, ah, i got to make sure I don't disobey my pastor. And I said, pardon me? No, I, I don't want to disobey my pastor. And I went, disobey your pastor? Where is that in the Bible? Like, I don't, I don't read that, but that is all a part of this. And there was there's a number of other ones there. And so I looked at this stuff and I said, you know, I want to connect up with, with Marvin and see what he's doing. So how can I use that stuff to minister? So what ended up happening is we ended up starting five mentoring groups with pastors. So I meet with them once a month now online uh, in a mentoring group. They're all mentoring each other, and I'm in there mentoring, using this material of how to lead like Jesus, and I minister to them once a month, one by one, each individually. And that's been going 
uh, incredibly well since uh, June of last year. And uh, yeah, so that's been going quite well. Cindy, on the other hand, has continued to work with Aguas Vivas in the north. Aguas Vivas is the uh, journey ministry that's in Canada here that we started in Brazil, and she's still leading the team. That's going on right now in Brazil. And um, her focus this last year is to stay in contact, to do training online and Zoom calls and stuff. But she's also there to help these leaders when they get triggered. Now, what do I mean by when they get triggered? All of these leaders have walked through their own stuff. Most of them have had some type of trauma or abuse going on in their lives. And so now they're in a group helping others. And these people are sharing their stories and then they get triggered. And they go back and all of a sudden start, starts happening in their lives and they don't know what to do with that. So they give Cindy a call and Cindy starts counseling and processing with them online. So that's been going extremely well. The exciting thing about that part is the fact that they're now starting to go to the other leaders themselves instead of coming straight back to Cindy or myself. So they're starting to help each other. So there's a lot more health and growth going on in that way. Um, by the way, my wife is not here with me today, unfortunately. She did not sleep very well last night, and uh, so I'm on my own. Otherwise, I'd have a beautiful young lady standing beside me here. Um, just catching up in September, we're in Cambridge and uh, this past year, and it was very interesting because we were planning to go back to Brazil, and we thought, well, we're supposed to stay until Christmas. And then in September, I felt the Lord say to me, no, you, you stay over the winter months. My mother-in-law is 90 years old, uh, and she's in a, a first stage of a nursing home, independent living. And uh, so she's there. And, it's, and uh, when Cindy went to meet her in September, she saw my mother-in-law, and she didn't seem to be doing very well in isolation because they, they couldn't walk across the hall to somebody else. They couldn't meet. And it's, it's quite a community there for them, a Mennonite community. And so Sydney started visiting her once a week, twice a week, and we started seeing my mother-in-law start come back alive and want to live and keep going, you know. And so that was, that was there. And the other thing is my mother, my mom is 95. She's got dementia. And uh, we just had this sense that we were supposed to be uh, spending a little more, more time. So we decided to move and stay here until at least the end of March. It was interesting. I was tapping tab before the service here. I was with my mom uh, three weeks ago, and my mother looked at me. She's got dementia, but she knows, she knows I'm one of her sons. You know? She doesn't know if it's on David or Arthur, but, but, but most of the time she knows. Anyway, she looks at me, and she goes, you're gaining weight. And I looked down. The way I was sitting, I sort of patted this, and I said, well, yeah, Mom, I'm getting a little bit of weight. And she goes, it's okay. God can use you more. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean God can? She goes, yeah, you gain more weight, God will use you more. I said, okay, I like that one. So I came home and had nachos. Um, in October last year, we felt like we were to uh, move back into our family home and get it ready to sell this coming summer but then things just started rolling and we thought, no, we should do it soon. So these last couple months have just been so hectic for us and getting our house ready to sell. Uh, we sold it. We bought a place out in Calgary. Uh, we have a rental property on the market now that's conditionally sold. And we're, we're, it's just, just been crazy keeping up with stuff in Brazil as well as here. But um, I appreciate your kind words, Scott, at the beginning. I started to tear up. I held them back. Um, I'm finding it difficult running across people that we've loved for years and have known for years and, and, and sharing heart. Um, 
it is a difficult time. I mean, see George back here and Tony and, and uh, there's lots of history. There's lots of stuff there. And um, okay, I'll carry on. <clears throat> it was 17 years ago next weekend that I stood here for the last time as lead pastor of this church. I had just come off of a three-month leave. I had burnt out. I think I'd served well. I think I'd gave well of our hearts and our family. But I didn't take care of myself personally. I didn't know how to actually take care of my soul so that I could be in there for the long haul. And uh, these last 17 years, I've experienced um, a number of ways to, to take care of myself. Um, I know where my limits are. Um, I, I can feel it. Because I burnt out, I can feel it when it's coming on, and I go, okay, I got I to gotta pull away. I got to take some time. I got to find a way to feed my soul at this time. And so in ministering to these pastors in Brazil, really what I've been doing is trying to, to help them not go through what I went through, help them live in a healthy way, help them learn how to take care of themselves in a healthy way. And so I want to share a couple things with you this morning. I'm not sure if I'm going to share one thing, two things, or three things. We'll see the time and see what's going on here. But the most important thing that I've learned is that I've changed the way I read the Bible. I've changed the way that I read the Bible. There's two words in Portuguese. There's one word called informar, which is to inform, to be informed, right? To gain knowledge, to gain understanding. And the second word is formar, to be formed, to be molded. And when I grew up reading the Bible, I was told to read and saturate yourself in it, read a lot, soak in it. Because if you do that, your life will change. And what had ended up happening to me is I gained lots of information, but I didn't get a lot of formation. I didn't get a lot of transformation in my life because I was reading it, thinking, and somehow magically, it was going to renew my mind. There's a verse in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 that says, I urge you Therefore, brothers and sisters, mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I was taught that if you're in the word of God and you read the Bible, it will transform your mind. But no one taught me how to read the Bible so my mind would be transformed. There's a... Um, a lot of pastors in Brazil, they were taught like I was taught here. Um, I don't know how many years ago, uh, Zondervan came out with a Bible called the One Year Bible. You guys remember that? The One Year Bible. The One Year Bible is, it's you got like five chapters of the, of the Old Testament, one Psalm, one Proverb, and a couple chapters in the New Testament. And if you stay on course from January 1st and do that every single day, December 31st, you will have read the whole Bible in one year. I, I never was able to do that. I mean, I tried. You know, you miss one day or you fall asleep on a weekend. I mean, how the heck can you go back and on Monday morning go back and read, you know, 15 chapters of the Old Testament, four Proverbs, two Psalms? Like, but that was what, that was the environment that I lived in, that I grew up in, okay? And so, when I share with these pastors in Brazil, it's a very similar thing. So what we've done is I have done retreats with them. I have spent time personally with them. And we do what's called a Lectio. 
Lectio Divino. I know you guys have heard of that here. Uh, for those who are listening online, maybe you have or maybe you haven't. But Lectio is a way of reading a short passage in the Bible slowly and allow God to speak to you through it. The goal is not to read lots to get information. It's to read a little bit Notice where God's speaking to you, because if you can now start to interact with the Father on that, what he specifically wants to talk to you about, your life will be changed. You will be transformed. It takes time, but it happens. And so, basically, it's this. You you pick out a passage of Scripture. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture here in a moment. You pick out a passage of Scripture, and you read... You, you find a quiet place, you read that passage slowly, you read that passage again slowly out loud, and you notice something that grabs your attention. Maybe it's a word, maybe it's a phrase, and you don't even know why necessarily, and you don't need to know why. You, you just follow the system. Something stands out and you go, huh, and you underline it. That's interesting. Now, there is a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which talks about the word of God being powerful. It says, the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and to discern our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. And so I've memorized that verse years ago. But when I'm reading the Bible to get information, lots and lots and lots, I don't really find it penetrating my heart. But when I started to read the Bible this way, just taking a couple verses at a time and looking at it, and when something jumped out at me, stop and go, okay, so why is that word grabbing my attention? Father, what are you trying to say to me through that? And because the word of God is living and active and powerful and is able to pierce through and cut right through to the heart of the matter, when we read the scripture that way, it is living and active and powerful and extremely practical. When I do the Lectio, and I do the Lectio almost every day. I mean, that's my go-to. That's my way of connecting with God. I go with with an expectation that the Father is going to speak to me. And I might not have any idea what he's going to say, and most of the time I don't know what he's going to say, but I read in faith, and when something jumps out, even if I don't know at the moment why, I spend some time and say, okay, so what does that mean? Well, Father, why is that important to me right? What's going on in my life right now that I needed your spirit to speak to me that particular word? And it's a practical encounter with God, okay? So I want to do something very quickly with us. We're not going to take a lot of time to do this, but I want you to, you don't have to open your Bibles. I'm going to go to Psalm 23. We know this passage of Scripture. I'm going to just do something very quick. All I want you to do right now is take a moment. I want you to, in a moment, I'll I'll tell you, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to do this. I'm going to read it slowly, And then I'm going to read it again slowly. And all I want you to do is to notice what stands out to you, a word or a phrase. That's all I want to know. Okay? You don't have to do anything else other than that. Just that. We're just going to practice that part right now. Okay? So please, close your eyes with me. Father, I just ask that you would speak. 
Thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And you have things that you want to say to each one of us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, I'm going to read that again. It's only three verses. It's not a lot. Maybe something already stood out to you, but let's just be alert at this time when I read it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the question is, what word or phrase stood out to you? Now, there's a few people here, so I'm actually going to ask you to say it. You don't have to say anything other than that. You don't have to say why. But what stood out to you? What word or phrase stood out to you right now? Please just throw it out real quick. Shepherd. Still waters. Shall not want. Restores my soul. I got restores, restores, so restores my soul. So it's interesting. I did this in the shower this morning before I came. I said, well, I'm going to do this for everybody. I'm going to do it now. So I did it. Boom, restores my soul. You know what's interesting is when the Lord spoke that to me, I knew exactly why I needed to hear that. There's, we have an inclination. Oh, okay, that's something for me. So that's very powerful when that happens. You kind of go, huh. Now, if it doesn't happen, then you go, well, Lord, why is that important for me? Why did I need to hear that? You know, why did I need to hear besides still waters? Why, why, why is shepherd is important to you? Why is shall not want important to you? Why is restoring my soul important? I know why restoring my soul, because soul, emotions. I know my emotions have been all over the place, and I've been regularly giving that, bringing that to Jesus, say, I'm all out of whack. I need your peace to come, and because of all the stuff that's going on. Well, there's a promise here in the Scripture to me this morning, personally to me, that he, as my shepherd, can restore my soul, and he wants to. So will I let him? It's interesting, once you get comfortable doing this, you will start to read the Bible this way a lot. You'll start to read other things, other material, devotionals in the same way. I cannot do a, use a devotional. I, I use devotionals. There's a book called Day by Day by uh, Peter Scazzaro, Emotional Healthy Spirituality. Amazing. But it has a... A Bible verse, it has a text where he writes something, he's got a prayer, and then it's like, you know, close off in silence. I cannot go through any one of those all the way through. The way I read it now is, when I start reading, whenever something jumps off the page at me, I stop. So I could just be reading a scripture verse. If something jumps off, I stop. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. God's speaking. He's grabbing my attention. I don't need to go through the devotional and go, yep, checked it off. Did that today. 
You know, how many times do you do your devotional this week? George, oh, seven days. Hmm? Good for you. No, it's not that. It's the goal is to encounter God. And I'm telling you as a living witness, I'm telling you as someone personally in my life, I'm telling you as someone who's helping and pastoring pastors that this is practical and life-changing. And you get to encounter, we get to encounter God every single day. Him speaking something personal to us every single day. And once we learn how to do it this way, it changes the way we look at devotionals. It changes the way we have conversations with people. We had Glenn and Nadine Dias over on Friday night or Saturday night over at her house, and we were talking. And I know there's something that stood out to each one of us while we were there conversing and, and having a meal together. It's like, oh, God, you just spoke to me through that, you know? Well, then stop. Listen. Why is that important? Why are you saying that? Oh, I need that. Oh, thank you so much. Like, he is such a loving and caring God. But we need to learn how to uh, encounter him in that way. I, I, I'm a guy that if I, if I have a spare time and I don't know what to do and there's nothing sort of going on, I will go on YouTube and I will go watch America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent, okay? And I will weep like a baby. I will weep like a baby. I'll sit there, and you got some guy up there, nervous or kid, whatever, and, and the you judges are like, well, I don't know what's going to go on here, and, you know. And then all of a sudden, they blow them out of the water, and all four of these judges look at this person and speak identity and speak value and approval and boom, this stuff, right? And I'm bawling, and I'm like, I think my wife asked me like three years ago, like, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's, I don't know, right? And she says, well, why don't you ask the Lord? And this is what, back when I'm learning how to, you know. So I asked the Lord. And the Lord says to me, he says, every time those judges speak approval and affirmation to them, I want you to receive it as I am speaking that to you. Holy cow. So I have these God encounters watching America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent as these men and women are, are affirming these people and the Father affirms me, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's just, that is incredible. I'm going to mention another thing here in closing, and that is one of the things I've, I've been teaching our group is your relationship with your father earthly father and mother, whether you knew your father or mother or not, directly affects your relationship with God the Father. I, I can't find it. I don't have a scripture verse for you. I, I do know that God the Father, we're supposed to call him. He's God the Father. There's scriptures that talk about him being like a mother, attributes of a mother, right? So he's got the female attributes and the male attributes of a parent, right? I know when I pastored this church, I remember times speaking on the Father's love, and I remember the reaction that happened in a number of people, people who had been abused by a father figure or mother figure, right? Whether it had been verbally or whether it had been sexually or whatever, and they could not address God as Father. So when I came along and talked to them about Jesus being the shepherd, they could encounter God as the shepherd, okay? 
and experiences love. But as soon as we use the word father, barrier. What I notice with the pastors is, is we'll do something like this. I'll do it in a group and I'll do it individually. Say, hey, why don't we just spend, as we're closing here, why don't we just spend a little bit of time at the end, just in silence? And why don't we ask the Father to speak to us individually? You know, he, he's always got things to say. And, and so I'll lead something like, well, Father, what do you want to say to Ademir at this time? Well, you, he's your son. What do you, you want to say to him? What do you want to say to Terry? You know, what do you want to say to Manuela? What you, and, and then we spend time and quiet, and, and I'll listen for them as well, because sometimes leaders, pastors, some, sometimes they have a hard time listening for themselves, right? And, that, and that's, that's difficult, and you have to work through that. So anyway, so these are some of the things that we hear. So some people hear, oh, he's just telling me that he loves me. He's telling me he's pleased with me. No, it's awesome, right? And, and then others are saying stuff, you know, you got to read more. You got you to serve more. You know, you gotta you gotta spend more time in the word, you gotta evangelize more. So when I hear that, something goes off in me. I get this doo-doo-doo, red flag, ooh, something's wrong, right? And what I found out is that those people who go to hear and listen to God, to hear what he has to say to them, when they walk away hearing, do this, do this, you're not doing this enough, you need to do more of that there's an issue between them and their father. They, 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 they didn't grow up in an environment of a father that approved, that give verbal affirmation, that there was love and acceptance in the home. There was, you got to shape up or ship out, you know? You got to get your act together, buddy, right? And that's what they grew up in. And so then what that leads to is, okay, so let's talk about what's going on. Now, in my relationship, I remember the first time I was here at the, the church in 1993, there was a men's conference, a men's retreat with some guy from Virginia that came up. And, um, and I remember being there and they had questions about your relationship with your father. And I was one out of, I think there was myself and Bruce Ellis and, and, and one other guy that put up their hand that said that we had a great relationship with our father. The rest talked about had a tough relationship with that. And he was talking about father issues and stuff like that. And I would say to this day, I have a great relationship, had a great relationship with my father. My dad died 17 years ago, just before I resigned from the church here. Um, but recently, in the last number of years, as I've been helping people receive healing and I've been getting, continue to get more healing in my own life, I realized that my father was a person that always helped out other people. He was always helping out other people. And I have recollections of myself waiting at home, waiting for my dad to come home to, to be with me and do something with me, but he's out helping out somebody else. Well, how do you think that unconsciously affects my relationship with God? God's too busy. God's helping out George. Not time for me, right? God's down in Brazil with Phil and Jen Snow, helping these unconsciously. So, so I wouldn't go to him and seek him because I didn't really believe subconsciously that he was going to respond to me. Um, my dad was a great motivator. So I was on the phone with my mom, Zoom call with my mom and my brothers and sisters the other day. And uh, my sister, Mary Ann, said, oh, dad, dad taught all the grandkids how to swim. 
Well, he had it was such a great motivator. And I remember this. He said, so he'd be at one end of the pool and way down here, my dad would be over there. And he said, okay, come on, get going. And he would tell him, keep going, don't quit. So it was motivating. But he'd always tell the kids, and he told us as well, there's a Sunday waiting for you at the end, right? There's a Sunday waiting for you. So I wanted to go, don't quit, it's waiting for you. It's waiting for you. Come on, keep going, keep going, right? Which is great, motivating, keeping you going. What's well, interesting, subconsciously, you perform, you get. I learned in my home, my dad would say, ah, you know, I can't find this. Well, I'd run around the house and I'd beat my sister and always find what my dad wanted to come to me and he was always praising me. My dad was my hockey coach. He was a great hockey coach. You score a goal, you got this toffee thing. You made a good pass, it worked the whole time, you got this thing. I, was, I learned how to gain my father's approval. I ended up being a very good hockey player for my age and competitively. So that part worked well. But subtly, very subtle in there was this thing, if I perform, I get. And so what happened, so part of my burnout, even at this church 17 years ago, was continuing to work to get approval. Approval from people in the church, approval from leadership, approval from other churches looking on in this trap of doing to get. Now, I, I don't hold my dad. I don't go, ah, oh, you did this. No, none of that kind of stuff. That's ridiculous, right? I had to walk through a process of, of forgiveness. But on the other hand, there's lots of positive things that came from that. So, so why do I say that? What I'm saying is, in our lives, if we want to walk in intimacy with the Father, and we want to walk, all these songs today, this morning, we're all about love and about experiencing God's love and him pouring it out to us. If we want to experience that in a practical and experiential way, then we are going to need to go back and have a look at any issues that we have with our mother and a father, deal with that so we can move forward. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And so... Uh, in closing, I, I would say this. One of the main things that's going on in my life right now as I'm talking to people is, and pastors is I want to help them become so alert and attentive to the movements of God's Spirit in their life and around them that the only way that they're going to be changed and transformed and help anyone else in the same way is if they actually have intimacy with God. And intimacy with God is not about doing Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. It's not about having a ton of information. All of that stuff can help. But the focus is is connection with God's Spirit, connection with God the Father on a regular basis that is practical in our lives. And as we do that, our lives are transformed and we can help other people and bring them into that kind of intimacy as well. Bring them into that kind of a connection in a deeper way. Well, let's just pray. I, wanna, I would like to pray for you this morning. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to be with those who are, are gathered here, who are, are, are worship team and the support staff with all the electronics um, and the audio stuff, video. Thank you for the ability to be with those online.
Father, we want intimacy with you. We realize that the world isn't going to change. We're not going to change unless we can encounter you in practical ways. And I thank you for the ways that you've taught me and are still teaching me. I ask these these simple things that I've spoken this morning would actually, that, that you would grab our hearts with that today. And you would help us to to just read a few verses a day and allow you to speak to us. Use a devotional and stop when something grabs our attention. Watch a video online of of, uh, like a music show like I've been doing with Americans Got Talent and, and allow the things that those judges say to the people, allow that to penetrate our hearts as if you are speaking that to us. Father, it's just, it's amazing the way that you care and love for us. And uh, so I just offer this to you and and, uh, ask that the that the things that the Lord would say to you would you would hang on to those and and um, apply them to your life, Amen.